Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical lead or a practice manager and your primary care network to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to deliver some of your projects and network-based services, I would absolutely love to help you. So come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So this is the second podcast featuring co-founder and chairman of the Accela Group, Nicholas Kelly. And in this episode, we have tried to pull in all of the, the business side of what Nick does into this episode. There is some fantastic lessons we talk about Um, what goes into making a successful strategic partnership, lessons learned, the importance of just kind of getting back up and trying again. We also talk about the fact that Nick is a black entrepreneur and why it's so important and why he is now making more of an effort to showcase all that he is and all his organisations are doing to help and inspire and support other people. Yeah. One of the things we were talking about before we pressed record, we've also talked, had a bit of a chat, is that I think now you're on my radar, I feel like I see you all the time. And I was like, it's like, you, you like, are you on tour? And you said, well, I've always flown under the radar, just getting on with the job, but now it feels like I've got something to say. What is that thing that you want people to know? We've always flown under the radar because my kind of vision is if you pop your head above, people will find ways of trying to basically take your head off. And that is that kind of, oh, I've got this really great idea that I think we can help individuals. Oh, hold up. But, you know, there's going to be one, one person that goes, well, what happens if someone steals it? And I, and I get that. Then that completely takes over the conversation. For us, it's always been, let's try and build the best thing we can under the radar and then pop up when we're, when we're ready. But also I think, with everything that's going on from a geopolitical perspective, with everything that's been going on with COVID, we've been trying to bang on the door for the last year or 18 months saying we need to have a digital solution that holds all health records on an individual in care in one place. We need to have the ability to do video calls into that person's home to do checking on them. And we've kind of said we've gone out and found like a company called Cradle and another one called Paramount. We've been partnering with these companies for the last year and we've been trying to talk to council and say, look, we need to do this. And they, we've been, no, 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 no. I had a conversation with a council the other week that said, actually, please explain to me, how are you then speaking to that person in the home? Are you, is it via, say, what's up? And he said, no, what we've learned is, yes, there are penetration of smartphones and apps with elderly people or those in adult social care. That's not their predominantly. Everyone has a TV in their home or most people have a TV in their home. That's the technology I know how to use. So why not use that medium? Why not use that piece of kit? Okay, I want to also know how, how that person's doing. 
But I, what I don't want to do, I don't want to feel like I'm intrusive in them. So why don't we basically, so we partner with these guys called Paramonitor, why don't we have a system that analyzes their gait, analyzes them having a fall, and sends an alert back to us? And at the beginning, when we said, look, we want to do this, everyone was like, well, why would you want to know if someone's had a fall? And it sounds, it sounds a little bit, it's like, well, then, well, what, happened, well, what are you going to do if they've had a fall? And you're like, well, we can go check on them and we can go look after them. Yeah, but what happens if they're just sitting down? It's like, but then I can call them to see if they've had a fall or they're sitting down. And you just go, you've got, you're trying to go do these great things and someone's constantly like, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? And I think right now is a time to put our head above the fold and say, look, this is what we're doing. But also to show other people that you don't have to be a large company that begins with G, A, M, that people, to, to have a conversation with people around the table. Because it is hard as a UK startup or UK company to try and get into the NHS. It is hard to try and have those conversations that I know that we're lucky enough to be in a position to have, but it is hard to have those conversations. But you have to keep going. You have to find different alternative ways to get in that door. Why are we lucky? Well, I say we in a sense that we are as a company, but because we've, we've found a way of, of making enough noise and banging on enough doors and finding alternative ways to get in. Is that luck or is that skills, experience, expertise, reputation and clear metrics and deliverables? Okay, I was going to say luck because I like luck, but I, all those others, it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you look, if you, if you say skills, reputation, metrics, and it, that sounds a little bit arrogant. But it, it's, No, I it's, think when you say lucky, it comes across like somehow we found ourselves here. Do you know what I mean? You haven't, you've worked like... Oh, I've worked very hard. We've worked hard. We've worked hard to get it. You've worked hard. You've talked about innovation. You've talked about quality. You've got clinical expertise. You have got, you've talked about strategic partnerships. You, you are working internationally. So when you say, oh, you know, oh, we were lucky, it, it, it's like you're not lucky. Okay, fine. We've worked very hard. Yeah, we no, worked, that's what, you have worked hard and you should say that. You shouldn't say... Sorry, I'm having to go at you. should say it's maybe right. there is an element of luck. <laughs> Fine. Maybe, maybe sure. there is always, there is an element of luck in life. But, you know, I think to be going for 14 years, it become, you, you've, you've surpassed lucky, you know? So to have everything that we have, some might say it's, it's, it's lucky. It's not. And you're right. It's not. From my perspective, it's seeing what the change could be before the change happens and really drumming down. So we've, we separate out why we've got two separate companies is we, we separate out the two companies into two separate entities, which is one which is doing social care and assessing CCGs and the other one that's doing private. Because actually we saw from the data was private wasn't getting as much attention as a social services side because they they were being over-serviced, they were being under-serviced. By splitting two out, separating it, creating its own company, moving them into a whole different office, actually what we found is we were able to build this to be as effective as that in less than 12 months. Is that lucky or is that like strategic? That's strategic. But everything we've done is strategic. So we've been trying to get on, we, when we first started, we tried to get VCs, we tried to get investors, we tried to get onto the NHS framework. We were basically having to just, bang the door and it was it was what everyone else does and that's not it but it's hard and everyone that's on as, as listeners to us will know it's hard to try and get in but actually what we realize is there are other ways to get yourself in front of those people to be on their radar and there are other ways to have a conversation with somebody 
where, where you can have that conversation. So you know, we reached out to our network and I spoke to every last person that I knew that had an involvement, not even just in the NHS, but could be near that person, could be speaking to that person. You know, I reached out to a lot of um, titled people that I know to say, hey, can I come and talk to you about this thing? And it's not because I'm trying to sell to you. It's not because I'm pitching to you. But I know that if I sell it to you and you believe in the idea, you're going to go speak to somebody you know. You're going to speak to that person. You're going to then come, that person's going to come back to me. And actually, a lot of the conversations that I have now is, oh, I was speaking to this person and your name came up in conversation. And can we have a conversation? But I haven't approached that person. So I don't do the whole LinkedIn, oh, let's work together. I've got this really great idea. I do the whole, hey, do you know what? I haven't spoken to you in a while. Do you fancy having a drink pre-COVID? Do you fancy having some lunch? This is what I'm working on right now. How's your wife? How's everything else? Let's have a conversation. One of our advisors, who again, didn't know who he was, friend of a friend, started having dinner with him, started having drinks with him, started talking to him. And do you know when you, again, this was kind of my two o'clock in the morning rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I have no clue who this guy is. I've never looked at his LinkedIn. Let me have a look. Looked at his LinkedIn. Turns out he was the ex-VP of product at Apple and iPhone for best part of set basically was one of the first people on the ground in apple and i emailed him i was like i just realized who you are and he's like oh yeah didn't you know and i was like no i didn't really and even like last year i was over in the states and i was like this was kind of the day that it was announced that google were about to buy fitbit and fitbit were kind of someone that we've been trying to get in with for a long while and i just dropped him an email and was like hey i just heard that google about to buy fitbit do you know anyone that i can maybe speak to and he messaged back and went how easy can you get to San Fran? And I was like, not that easy. And he's like, can you not get it? Can you get there? Can you get there today or tomorrow? No, <laughs> I can't get there today or tomorrow. But that, do you know what I mean? By having those connections that I'm not selling to and having those connections, I'm able to have that conversation. I mean, when we were thinking again, Amazon was another one, someone I worked with for years and years, didn't realize having a conversation. I was like, look, we're trying to build this. We think we could probably use the Amazon Alexa to allow, if a paramedic goes into a house, a paramedic can say, Alexa, tell me what this person, what medication this person has taken. And he went, that's a really good idea. We were thinking about doing something similar. Let me introduce you to the team over at Alexa that's working on the Alexa voice. And I was like, huh. But if if I was trying to get into Amazon, how would you do that? Like, how would you try and have a conversation with Amazon in the first place? You'd have to add them on LinkedIn. You'd have to then talk. And then they know you're selling to them. And that person's like, look, five or six other people have been trying to sell to me. You're not the first person. But having that direct introduction gets it there. And it is through through that network. How much time do you spend networking, subtle networking? I, I, I don't do other kind of let's go out and do networking events and speak to everybody and stuff like that. I do very subtle. And it's probably spent a a fair amount of time because inevitably it's keeping in contact with those people and it's not trying to sell to those people. It's just checking in and making, treating them as a friend. And that's kind of what, we, what I do with everyone. It's just like, Hey, how you doing? How's things? You're putting something on LinkedIn. Do you know what? I like that. And this is like, you put something up and I was like, I really like that idea. That's, that's a really good idea. And then I went off and told two other people that this is a really good idea that you are actually raising a, a fund where people can get up to 10 K or two in two K um, branches but I'm going off and telling people about it. And that's how I do it. Because actually then that's going to come back to you. And that person's going to go, oh, I heard, you mean Nicholas told me about this. Then you're going to go, do you know what, Nick, thanks for that. How can I help you? And it's and that's kind of how I do my networking. I'm not going, I don't do networking events because what I find in networking events is at first everyone's really standoffish. Then you kind of get into the point where everyone's had a couple of drinks and everyone then starts to talk to you. And then everyone then realizes that they spent an hour being really standoffish and speaking to the only person in the room that either looks like them or that they know. 
And then they've got sort of 20 minutes to do a quick card drop. And it's like, I'll take my card, take my card. And you leave and you email them the next day. And it's like, yeah, hi, we spoke yesterday. Would we worth have a conversation? And you just go completely blank into the ether. That for me is a waste of both our times. So I'd rather have, make a strong connection of one person that can open that up than have a small connection. My accountant, who we've had for 10 odd years, was through an introduction from somebody else that was using, that wasn't, that was using her. We went out, again, we didn't go out and try and find every accountant. I went from that one recommendation and I'm still using the same accountant for 10 years. I then recommend her to every last person I speak to. So she's had more business from me than you can think of. But every last person I speak to that says, oh, I need an accountant. I go, hey, I've been using the same person for the last 10 years. She's really good. Here's, here's her details. And that's the kind of, I think, the way you do it. And it's, it's kind of, I'm not trying to sell to you. I'm trying to build an understanding so you can see what I'm trying to do. So you can then go out and speak. So you might finish this podcast and go, Oh, do you know what? I was speaking to this guy the other week. You should speak to Nicholas. He's got this really great idea that I think you could partner with. And that's how they said, we've got an opportunity coming out of South Africa. And it was purely that we were speaking to one person about something. He said, Oh, I've just been approached by somebody else. with this really great idea that I think is kind of an early stage of what you're trying to do. I think you could bring the two companies together. You sound like your business is thriving on strategic partnerships and commercial partnerships. What advice would you give to somebody about to dip their toe in and start working with somebody else? Because when it's your own business, I think there is that, well, not all of us, but some people want to be kings and queens of their own castle. And it can be quite daunting to say, okay, let's properly work together and, you know, put in resources and dedicate time to this. What advice would you give to somebody building a new partnership? So the first point, you have to be honest from the, off the back. I think you have to be transparent and you have to come from a position of trust. But also I think you need to find the right partnership for you. Everyone wants to, to partner with a big company, but are you going to get the same time and attention from that big company or will you get more from a small company that might be on the same level as you, might be below you, might even be above you, but work out what is the most strategic partnership that you can make at that point. And it's about being strategic. Like I can try and bang the door of Microsoft and, and try and get in with them. And that's going to be great. And that'd be a great conversation to have. But there are five or six other companies that I'd probably get before that, that will get me there quicker. And actually get me to have a stronger conversation with that end, that end company. Or even I might realize I don't want to to, to to be over there. So it's very much about realizing what you're trying to achieve and who's going to be able to help you get there and what friends you can make along the way. Because you want to bring, you have to look at these, the companies you're going to partner with as, as friends. And you want to look at these companies as actually companies that are probably going to, people that are going to, individuals that are going to challenge you and challenge your, what you're trying to build. So all of our strategic partnerships, they know what we're trying to achieve and they've challenged us and gone, okay, we think, you, we think we can still work together. And that's what you want. What you don't want to do is put all your energy and time and the next six months into one company in, and into trying to get that big player and it just doesn't work. Have you ever had any partnerships turn sour? We have. And what is the lesson learned there? It went sour and I think we just were naive. They were someone we really, really wanted to partner with. And we just basically went with open arms, blinded and thought, do you know what? We're all in this, we're in the same place. We're all trying to do the same thing. So let's, I mean, you're not going to try and screw us over. And I think that was a a naivety of, of early days from my perspective. 
you have to be aware and be off the bat, just be honest. And I think when we went into that relationship, I wasn't bringing who I am. So I wasn't bringing the cheekiness. I was trying to bring this corporate person that was towing the line. Whereas my natural inclination is to is to challenge you, is to call you out for, for things that I think you're, we're doing wrong or not right. But go, oh, do you know what? Oh, you want to see our, our code base? You're not trying to steal our code, are you? Yeah, you're trying to steal our code. That, for me, most people are like, that's quite rude. But actually, no, I'm telling you that I know that I'm giving you access to my code. And I'm telling you, you have the potential to steal it. So now I'm, you know that I know you might try and steal that code. But if I say to you, well, I'm going to give you access to the code. Are you going to steal the code? Someone's straight away going to go, no, I'm not trying to steal the code. But if I say it, in my mind, me saying it in my way is me going, I don't think you are. So I'm not trying to disrespect you. But if you do, I'm going to do what it, what it takes to make sure that I'm protecting that because there is a potential for that. Got it. I don't want to see your code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think, there's, look, I think there's just, from, from a, a partnership perspective, you just have to know what the best and most strategic partnership for you is. And how do you know? It sounds a silly question, but how do you know what's, mate, do you have to kiss a few frogs to work out what it is that you need and that we, what you want? Because I think lots of people will find themselves in situations where someone says, well, okay, I've got this, you've got that, let's work together. And you call, and you know, like it's like the beginning of a relationship. It all seems fine until it's not. So it's all very well you saying find the right one, but that I speak to lots of up and coming entrepreneurs in the healthcare mm-hmm. space. Everyone wants to work with them. Everybody in VCs want to give them money. It's how do you know? How do you know that they're going to be right? It's being honest with yourself. And that sounds, it sounds really stupid or whatever. It's but not stupid. Look, you're going to have a, a great idea. Someone's going to have, you're going to have an, an amazing idea in your head. And what you're going to do is you're going to go, I want to get this idea out. I want to make money. I want to grow it. I want to get this idea out. Then you're going to go, you're going to go to VCs. VCs are going to throw money at you. I remember a VC saying to me, if you can, don't take my money. The longer you can hold out taking my money, the better it will be for the long run. But no one tells you advice. And VC said, I tell someone afterward, give them money. But no one gives you that advice. But the advice is out there. So listen, don't take the VC money because you take the VC money, you'll always be on the hook. It isn't free money. It isn't like, oh, it's great. They've given me, I've just raised 5 million. You've got growth numbers behind that. You're constantly keep taking. That's why you see companies are constantly raising money because they've burnt through the money they have. It hasn't, they haven't been able to grow organically. And a lot of these companies that have got five, 10 million pounds money from VCs aren't actually making any revenue. They are making huge losses. And all they need to do is once they've realized they've made a huge loss, they've got to go out there and do a raise to cover the loss. And they're just constantly in that cycle. Is making a loss bad? I think making a loss when it's not sustainable yeah. And and you're actually then having to raise or shore up that loss to keep going is bad. But that uh, sounds like, we're not going to edit that out. It kind of sounds like a stupid question, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> and I just want to explain myself <laughs> in that when you're growing a business, it's, t- it's quite common in the early stages of your business mm-hmm. to make a loss yes. and, and to take debt. And that's okay. But to go back to your point, it's about the sustainable. You need to see some growth and some traction, but I wouldn't want people to think, oh my God, I'm making a loss. Oh my God. Because if you, especially if you've got a product-based business, you've got to pay for it before you get your return back. So 
That was well, the point I, I was trying to make. If you're making a loss, like a constant loss over three years, and, and I mean not like, oh, we've lost 30, 40, 100 grand. If, you're, if you got to the point where you're lucky enough and you're, you're making a loss of millions a year, Mm-hmm. And the only way to cover that loss, you can't get more customs on. So it's not it's, it's not like a, a customs will come in and cover that loss. The only way you're going to cover that loss is by increasing your invest, investment that you've got into business. Then do you have a sustainable model at that point? You I mean, we've just made a four million pound loss. Okay. Would you be able to cover that loss if you bought more customers on, on board? No, because we're actually, we couldn't bring on enough customers to cover that loss. Then you don't have something that's sustainable. If you're going out to the VC to get that money, there is a concern there. If you could cover that loss with customers, then fine. Keep going as you're going because actually you're going through a teething process. I mean, when I bought the, I bought things, I can't, I can't before. And actually there was a point where we were like, crap, we've, we're making a loss here. We've got no money. We're not, I mean, when we first started Excel Innovations, we were losing money because we were spending a huge amount of money building a product. And we had no customers because we weren't selling the product. So we spent a lot of money trying to build it. And our first year, we made, I don't know, a, a ridiculous amount of a ridiculous loss. And most people have gone, well, you made a loss, cut it. No. What I realized was that loss was because we didn't have any customers on board. It wasn't because we, weren't, we were trying to sell a product and no one was buying it. It's because we didn't have any customers because we, didn't, because we were still building Now we've, built, now we've, we've launched that piece. We've now got customers on board. We've made, we, we're not making a loss. We made, I think last year we made a small loss. This year we're going to make a profit. But it was because we didn't have any customers. So the customers are what's driving the revenue coming back into the business. But if all, if you're making a loss, you've got no customers coming in and you're just doing this and your lines are meeting at this point, you have to at a point go, okay, is there anything within what we have that we can take out and build as, a, as an individual entity and pivot out? Or do we need to take that and realize actually the next three, five, six years, we're never going to make money because we don't have it. And it, then it goes back to the point where you have to make those strategic partnerships because it's around going, okay, where are we now? And what do we need to do to grow? Like I've got this, this thing, how do I go? And it, you also kind of, I'm going to take you out of healthcare. If you have a car and you're trying to build a brand new car, look at someone like Tesla. Tesla was trying to build a brand new car. They needed a whole, different, whole lot of bits to make it work. They went and partnered with Bosch because Bosch make batteries. Everyone was saying, well, why didn't you partner these? Why didn't you partner that? Well, they realized that basically they could get a better deal with Bosch. They could have a, a great understanding and work closer with them than going to the big company that was just going to give them a battery and say, here you go, take it, walk away. And that's kind of where we, when we work with our customers, where we say to, from the Care ID perspective is, you can go and work with our biggest competitor, which is I'm not going to say their names. You can go work with them. But when you want to make a, any adjustments to the system, any changes to the system, or even get anything from it, there is a change request. And actually, in most cases, they're going to say no, because it doesn't work for all of our customers. So we're not going to build it for you, because you don't have enough money to pay for that change. And it's not to say, oh, the change is going to be five grand. No, but actually, it's completely changing the code base. And that's a, it's a bigger effect on it. Whereas you work with, work with a small company, the small company is going to say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. We can make that adjustment and ring fence that for you. Let's deliver that for you. So I don't know if we're going to release the video, to be honest. We'll see. For those, if we don't, for those people listening in that don't know who you are, so you are a black guy. And I hate to bring it up because we shouldn't have to in this Mm -hmm. day and age, but it is important. You have um, achieved a 
a, a, monument, a monumental amount of success and that you're still growing and you still want to develop and you seem like you found a sector and an industry, like two industries that you love. Mm-hmm. How important is it to you that people see people like you in this industry? You know what? You asked a question before, why now? Why am I doing this now? This is why I'm doing this now. Because I think, I don't know if we, I said it in our last conversation, but growing up, if you weren't an athlete or you weren't an entertainer, there weren't many people that looked like us in a position of where, where I am right now. And I think, and it's not because, and I, and I said it, I'm concerned that it's coming at a time where it seems like it's, I'm trying to leverage the back, back of Black Lives Matter. It's not that. It's growing up, it's been, I mean, I've worked in copious amounts of big companies and small companies, and there is no one that looks like me. Yes, you might go, okay, we've got, I mean, we've got 7% um, BAME employees. Split that down. How many do you really have that are black? And I, I don't care if you got, you mean, you mean Apple or you mean, does it Microsoft have an Asian person or East Asian, West Asian, whatever it is, as their CEO? That's fine. But how many tech companies have a black CEO? Because that's what I care about. I don't care that you've got another brown person that's that's there. And I and or BAME, which is a, a term. You're lumping everyone into this into this one thing. So one of the things is, from an investment perspective, seventeen percent of companies that were invested, I think, was last year were from BAME. And you go, well, that's huge. Seventeen point five percent, I think it was, was BAME. And you go, that's a huge amount. Actually, split it out. Of that, two percent were black men, and less than point less than one percent was black women but the rest of it were Asian. So when you start lumping everyone in this one bracket, it, it looks really, the numbers look really good. So from my perspective, I started doing a bit more mentorship and it's, I want individuals to realize that actually there is a lot you can do and there's a lot you can do outside of what people perceive you should be in. I, I spoke about trying to get investment. It was, a, it was a struggle trying to get investment for health tech startup because they were like, well, you're not a doctor and you're not white or Asian and blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, oh, you know, you say that to your face. Oh, oh, yeah. Then it was then someone look. I, then I was reading this this article on FT, and someone's like, well, it's not about that. It's about you know, if you've got history in business. I have a very successful company that turns over a huge amount of number based M revenue a year. You know what I mean? So explain to me how somebody that's making has a company that has never made a profit and is making a loss and has seventeen investors is somehow more bankable than someone that started a company from having 250 pounds in a bank to a lot more in a bank and a lot more revenue. How's that less bankable right now is a time for me to go, okay, you can do other things. If you want to run a farm tech company, go off and do it. If that's what your passion is, you don't have to, if you're black and, and, and brown, you don't have to think, okay, well, the only things I can do is fashion and food and hair products. If that's what you want to do, do that. That's great but there are other things you can do that completely take, take you outside of that. And we need to see more people of color in positions where you can go, okay, that person has got to that position. How do I get to that position and then go above that person? But if all you see is everyone, everyone only over here, Oh, do you know what I mean? You've got a bunch of sports people and television personalities and Trevor McDonald's. If that's all you've ever seen and that's you in your mind. And I go, but I don't like being in front of the camera and I can't play football that great well, you know what? I'm just going to have to work in an office and do a normal job. But if you kind of see people of color in those positions or people of color are telling you the things that they've done, you can go, actually, 
do you know what? And it's the, it's the mindset. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy. You go, well, someone else has done it. If they've done it, there has to be a way of me doing it. And I go, okay, do you know what? I started, and most I got was senior manager. Okay, if I, if I know someone else has got to a senior manager, how do I get to a director? Okay, someone else has got to director. Okay, I want to run the company. And it was the guy that Credit Suisse, I really keep forgetting his name. He was the first that I noticed without kind of having to really look into it from a, a UK perspective that I saw in the news that was a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And there was a thing, the other, there was an article the other week, which again, another one that had to be delved into. There are, in America, there are only three CEOs that run one of the Fortune 500 companies. You've got to delve to really find this information. But when you find this information and then you read their stories, I think one of the guys I read, he started off as a janitor. He was a janitor in the company and just built his way all the way up to then become a division leader and now is the CEO. And you go, well, if he can start as a janitor and work his way up, there's definitely hope for me. But that's a story because actually you want to know that, you mean, you want to know that you can work your way up and keep pushing, not that there is this, this glass ceiling. And I don't think there is a glass ceiling, but you have to realistically keep pushing and really make no one else push you down. And you have to have people around you. You've got to have, you've got to have a focus and realize what that focus is and make sure nothing takes you off that focus. I'm not saying do what I do, get up at six, seven o'clock in the morning, work until two, three o'clock in the morning. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you have an idea, you have a passion, push for that passion. Realize that you are, every time you are an ambassador for yourself, for your passion, for your brand, for your product, be delivering at all times and also put yourself in that position. If you want to build a product, spending every penny you have on a nice car, on clothes, on this and the other, that's not going to work. But if you're going to spend, if you're spending that money on nice clothes, because when you go to a meeting, you want to look presentable, great, go ahead and do it. Because that is also reinforcing your brand. Like I, I buy, I mean, I, I went out when I think when I first bought my first Mac, everyone's like, well, you know, you could buy a PC for a fraction of price. But I was like, I want to do things on this. I know I can't do on a PC. I want this to be who I'm going to be. Mostly because I was trying to get a job at job at Apple at that point, but you know that worked. <laughs> they they hired me. But you have to kind of you have to have that that laser focus and go. Okay, I want to get here in my life, and no one's going to give it to me. So how do I do that? How do I realistically focus? And yes, I look growing up, I wanted to go clubbing and partying and, and hanging out with my friends, but I knew I wanted to be in this position in my life. So I had to work. So when everyone was out, I was like, oh, I learn a bit more. When everyone was kind of going, oh, let's do this. I was like, oh, actually, I'm going to go, go over here and have this meeting, this person, try and have a conversation with that person. And it's about having that, that focus as much as you can and realizing that you have to look at the long, do you know what? It's a, it's a, this is a race. It's a marathon. And it's a terrible analogy, but it is. It's a marathon. Yes, there might be small bits of sprint, but there, it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And it, then it's going to get to a point where you can, you can run and actually... I very much feel like I'm at a position now where I'm at my, my cancer is, is at that level. Whereas I want to help other people. I want to say, look, you can do this. Yes, you can build to run three or four successful companies. You can keep pushing. You can be in healthcare. You can be in an industry where no one else thinks you should. You can actually sit around a table and have a conversation with somebody. And if you don't agree with them, you can articulate that in a way that doesn't feel like you're disrespecting them, but you're explaining your point back to them as well. Okay. 
final, final countdown. Okay, quick fire questions. Okay. I just drank some water, but yeah, go on. You ready? What is one thing that you have done that you wish you could undo? I wish that when I first started out, I didn't spend a whole lot of money asking other people to do things that we could have done ourselves. So we paid Grant Thornton, we paid bid writers, we paid people to write our deck, we paid, I mean, a lot of people to write, put our deck together for us. I think we went, definitely spent a best part of 10K and actually we could have just done that all ourselves, which is what we've done and actually it's kind of come back better. So don't pay somebody to do something you can do yourself. What is something you are self-conscious about? Oh, I'm so conscious that sometimes I can come across as uninterested in something, but actually that's not true. I literally listen and take in as much information as I can. So I, yeah, no, that is terrible. I don't know. <laughs> what is something I'm self-conscious of? The, I'm very self-conscious of being sometimes being an elephant in the room. Okay. If you could write a book, what would it be about? It's a hard knock life. So... <laughs> No, I think if I could write a book, the title would probably be something along the lines of um, dust yourself off and get up again. Because I've had, as I said, I've had 13 major operations. I've broken bones in my legs, arms. I've changed, I've pivoted industries. But each time you learn, and it's the kind of analogy of when you learn to walk as a kid, you fall over and fail. And everyone forgets that failure allows you to get better. When you're an adult, when someone says, try this, like I said about my mom, she's like, well, what happens if you fail? Then you fail. When you were learning to walk, you didn't fall over once and went, oh, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here for the rest of my- No, this is, this is what's going to work for me. Yeah. Walking isn't, nah, it's not me. You have to, you have to do that. So it would be, dust, just get up and dust yourself off again. Okay. What is one of your pet peeves? People that don't listen and people that don't follow through on what they, they do. Okay. If you were at a cafe, what uh, type of drink would you order? Oh, I would always order a flat white. Okay. But also a black, a black coffee because I like my coffee black, like me. <laughs> <laughs> you just ruined what could have been a really good interview. <laughs> it. But, that's, but, it's, but that's me. That's my personality. I'm very much, I'm a very serious person but I like to joke because actually I found in interviews and when I'm in all my interviews that I've been really stressed about that's when it's gone bad but when I go in and bring my personality and laugh and joke and engage with somebody that's when I have that's when it's the most fun that's when you mean a 45 minute conversation turns into great we've been here for two hours (laughs) and I've asked you no questions on my sheet but we've been talking about your do you know what I mean but that's kind of like I've had so many interviews where I get to the end of it they're like yeah so we asked you no questions but we like you, so we're going to put you through. And last one, if you could pick up a skill instantly, what would it be? Languages. I would love to be able to speak more languages. I think my one regret is not learning to speak more languages when I was younger. Thank you so much for joining me. If people want to find out about you and all your companies and all the amazing things that you do, where can we go? So you can go to excel.co.uk. We also have an investment fund, so we invest in companies that share a similar mindset to us. Or you can find me on Twitter, which is Excel Limited, or on LinkedIn, which is Nicholas Kelly. Thank you very much. Thanks very much.
thank you so much for joining us. And if you like what you hear, it would be great if you could give us a shout out on social media. You can find me on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram again at THC Primary Care or on LinkedIn. Just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you really like it, it would be great if you left us an iTunes five star rating and review. And I will see you in the next episode. Thank you.